After spending several years doing his metaphysical horror films, Lucio Fulci wanted to return to something more primal than zombies and satanic painters. He wanted something that felt current, but called back to the thrillers of Hitchcock and the giallo films he made in the 70s. The serial killer phenomenon had gripped North America in the late 70s and early 80s with Ted Bundy and the Son of Sam creating headlines around the world. At this time, the BTK killer was still at large and terrifying the city of Wichita, Kansas. Also at this time, the slasher film had entered its golden period of 1982. The gore that Fulci had used in his earlier films was being outdone regularly by films like Friday the 13th, The Prowler, Don't Answer the Phone, and The Burning. Fulci decided to show these new upstarts how horror and terror was done. He decided to set the film in the currently bankrupt city of New York with the New York Ripper. Bum bum bum. Here's a movie you never seen. The map is some ninjas or a crazy death machine. There'll be smiles. There'll be tears. You won't watch a movie for about eight billion years. It's time for death. Bye video. Time for death. Bye video. And now the show will begin. Were there any alternate titles for the New York Ripper? No. And by the way, it's Death by Video! Yes! Death by Video! I'm Phil. (laughs) I am Kit. And coming back after an extended hiatus, it's Lil! And I am Graham saying, welcome back to Death by Video. Tonight we are doing full cheese. And I've said this many times, we've done gnarly movies on this podcast. This is the gnarliest of the gnarliest we have ever seen. You've been hyping this for so long. I I am nervous to show this movie to people. That's how how concerned I am. I'm so excited. Like I, I need I'm ready this. for anything at this point. <laughs> I want to. I want to get freaked out. Am I gonna get freaked out, Graham? I don't know if freaked out is the right term. Maybe in just a like good way in the best way. So these these last yeah. Fulci films we've watched have been increasingly more and more gross. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Liliana, you missed the the spider eating a man's face and eyeballs scene. In the Beyond. Yeah, which was Ooh. which was quite something, quite graphic. Well, I remember in lovingly the- rendered. I remember in the la- in the first one that I saw with you guys. What was that? Uh, zombie. zombie. That was really great. Like you see, you not only see the zombie like biting something, but you see him like afterwards like, crunching yeah. on it and all like everything's all over. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So, it's gross, right? It's just yeah, yeah. Grosser and they grosser. Get grosser. Yeah, it's grody to the max. This is the one that crosses from gross to disturbing. Yes, that's well. Yes, of course. But still so cool though. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. Like a fantastic depiction of de- demented. Yeah, and it has Arranged. a gr- it has a great soundtrack by uh, by Fabio for. Frizzi. Yeah. If you remember, actually, uh, t- three out of the four of us were there New Year's Eve at your place, Lillian, a few years ago. I actually brought a portable record player, and one of the records I played that night, as when because I, I was DJing in the evening, was the New York Ripper soundtrack. Oh, cool! Do you remember? I, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. Because like there was a beat drop in the first song. You were oh, like, yeah. I was not expecting this at all. It's it's a banging soundtrack. Yeah, okay. uh, that was played on extended loop. We watched Death Wish Three. Death Wish Three. Yeah, I was gonna say is that the yeah. Wow, that was the Death Wish Three night. Yeah, Death Wish Three New Year's. It was very. Uh, that was cozy. Yeah, yeah, you you were a great host, Lil. Aw, thank yeah. you. You guys are great. I loved having you over. Aw. 
Kit. Sorry, Kit. You're in spirit. I know. It's nice that we got the classic lineup back together again tonight. Yeah. We're like smiles all around here. I know. Lillian, we have missed you sorely. I missed you guys too. And I can't say enough. Like I'm, I need this movie. I, re- I really missed you on the on the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood episode because I felt like I was outnumbered. Oh, yeah, you guys didn't dig, right? I mean, I, I dug more than Phil didn't dig. We we had reservations about the film. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we're not going to get into it now, but there seems to be so like... Has it, like, since you've seen it, has it sunk in? And have you seen it again since? No, I haven't. And I, I, I do want to watch it again. Like, that's why I ultimately gave it um, a positive review is because, like, I, I, I do want to see this again. Because a lot of the film is um, fun to watch. Yeah. For me. I just, uh, I just really think the ending was, um, it could have been better. I still disagree. My feelings are mixed, you know? I was just glad that the feedback we got on that episode was, yay, Graham, boo, Phil, and Kit. Boo, um, everyone else. Everybody's, like, looking at me like, as if, like, I despise the movie. It's like, it was almost as if I did despise me, which I didn't. Phil, have you seen it again? No. Just the once? Just the once. And Graham, how many times, uh, how many, what's the toll? I've seen it twice, and I really want to see it a third time before, before it leaves theater. Before it leaves theaters. Okay. Well, um, I saw it. I saw it with my brother, my family, my brother, my sister, my mom. We went one night, and uh, yeah, it was it was the family affair. Family affair, because my mom's like crazy about Tarantino. She still giggles about him. Uh, she read about him like in he took some course about script writing or something back in the day, and. He was just like, oh man, that was such a waste of time. My teacher was like freaking out about me every, every, at every turn. I just couldn't get anything right with him. But um, anyway, she, 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 she admires him. I guess we'll put it that way. Um, yeah, so we, we saw it. And my brother, I think this was his second time, maybe third, who knows. Um, and he enjoyed it. Max. He enjoyed it. Like he told me, Lil. Like the first time he saw it, he was like, Lil, I think this might be like his funniest movie yet. That's what. That was his take. Okay. He's like, I don't know. I don't know how, but this might be his like funniest one. In terms of, it's definitely com- more most comedic tone for sure. Yeah, I, w- I would almost agree with that because I'm trying to think of his other films, and it's like they don't really have like there's you know some wise cracks and some mm-hmm. um, some back They're and forth, but there's it's like this made some actual efforts to be funny i suppose in certain hmm. scenes yeah well um i did catch a i get i did catch the podcast no. you guys uh you guys did on it and um uh yeah i i i liked it there were a few like eye rolling moments i found I can't really remember them now, but I like, I like the movie. Like I forgot, I forgot, like I forgot the, um, the premise was going to be, you know, that the night where they go, the night the Manson killing happens. And I forgot about that. Like I kind of just knew that in the back of my head, but I forgot about it. And I'm seeing Sharon, I'm seeing that and it's all kind of coming together to me. And I love how it like, I love, I just, I think it's a great idea. It's a great idea for a movie, and he kind of rewrote like the ending, and it was neat. And then I hear other people talking, and they don't know about the Manson thing, and they were kind of thrown for a loop and saying this is extremely violent and it's unnecessary, but it was extremely violent, right? Yes, and I loved it. Um, no, but in real fact, it was extremely violent and gross what 
Manson. Oh well, yeah, the actual oh, yes, murders yes, yes, yes. are actual awful. Murders, so like, just it awful. just had to be as gross. You know, my my favorite review of the film was from Mike Salclasa of Red Letter Media, who said, "I don't like Charles Man. I hate the Manson family, and I hate what they did. And then I got to see Brad Pitt kick, Brad Pitt kick their asses. <laughs> yeah. This movie is great." Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I think I need the movie to lie low a bit for a bit before I revisit it because there are just so many. I've been ranting about this on Facebook for a while. So many hot takes. My, so many the my... the worst hot takes. People are still talking about it on film Twitter and various and blogs. Ripping but ripping up the Bruce Lee thing, I'm like, come on, it's it's a fun. Not just that. It's kind of it kind of it kind of um, elevates yeah. the glory of Bruce Lee. Like it's sure. you know what I mean. It's not a stab at him. He got thrown into a car and then stood up immediately. (laughs) How is that not superhuman? I'm not even a fan of the movie, but like I still hate the hot takes on it. Here's the thing, though. (laughs) I think it's the most important film released this year because this is the film that has had the most discourse about it. Mm -hmm. A month later, people are still talking. I still hear people talking about it. Oh yeah. But it's also Tarantino, right? It's like, ooh, a Tarantino flick. You know, everybody's going to be talking about it. Probably the most annoying of the discourse was like, oh, Tarantino portrays the Manson family. He's conflating them with the hippies. No, he just portrays them as dirtbags. That's exactly my take as well. But there's... And also, by the way... the the most controversial... I just want to say something. Sorry, boomers. Hippies were not inherently progressive. No. Some people in the oh, hippie no, movement were, all, no. and most weren't. Most but, saw but it as also like... also millennials, they also believe hippies are progressive. Of course, because we've been sold this nonsense yes. for mm. 50 years that peace and well, love... Ultimately, they were uh, sort of cults. Let's put it... Yes, you yes. Know, like, we can't deny that element. Yeah. Well, things get conflated. There was a, there was an anti-war so there movement was a in narrow the 60s, mindedness. and, and you, you associate that with the hippies, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily... Like yeah. I'm sure they converged and they overlapped, but they weren't. But they the same weren't thing. mutually like. Yeah. Re- yeah. Anyways. The cult element changed things, you know. As much as I love Boots Riley, even Boots Riley had that bad take. I know. Bo- Boots. Yeah. Just. Oh stop. my gosh! The scene with Bruce Dern in the. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was lovely. I, I okay, like that scene. Okay, my favorite part. I think my favorite scene was Brad um, Leonardo. Le- Leonardo. Leonardo. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. Leo D. Okay, Leo. D. There we That's where I went. Leo in the trailer having a shit, like just freaking out, like just trashing his. Th- I like that scene. My I favorite line. So like, and then they go and shoot the scene, and then there's like a tear. I don't know. It was funny. It was, it was so good. I still love the line like, "You could have stopped at two whiskey sours, but you had eight because you're a goddamn alcoholic. I will never drink again." Then he's drinking in five seconds later, and he throws away there. Anyways, so yeah. All right, moving on from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because we got to keep this train rolling, um, guys. So. Uh, we're changing up the format a little bit. What's one movie you've seen since we last recorded that you are really want to talk about? Uh, and Lillian, or, you want to go first, Bill? You, you, were, you had your phone out and you had the sure. microphone you were about to go. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> go so for it. Because it's usually, so the one movie I'm going to talk about main, not, it's not the best movie I've seen since we've last recorded since we've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. However, Rutger Hauer has died recently and in honor of oh, his death, yes. I need to Rutger Hauer. some blind spots, so I rented the movie Nighthawks. Yeah. Yes! Wait, sorry, I thought you were going to say Lady Hawk. Yeah. <laughs> he really had the Hawk movies yeah, down in the yeah, 80s, Lady Hawk. Sure. But no, Nighthawks, oh, the Sylvester Lady Stallone. Hawk, I yeah. adore. Okay, what's Nighthawks? It's with Sylvester Stallone in full Frank Serpico mode. Uh, okay. Yeah, he looks like he looks and like just Billy D. Williams. D. Billy D. Williams. 
I'd have to see his face. Uh, Joe Spinell also has a bit of a cameo. Yeah, Joe Spinell's great it, in it. It's not a masterpiece, but I enjoyed it. It kind of threw me for a loop because uh, the tone, I was expecting a totally different, I was expecting like a full-on like gritty exploitation movie, but it wasn't quite that. No. Uh, no. It, was, it was almost it like, like a prestige. Like a 70s movie yeah, it felt well. like a 70s movie in the 80s, which yeah. I like. I like that I like that vibe about it because it's like they're taking that 70s mm-hmm. approach and like this is when Sylvester Stallone was like, I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. I'm not Rambo the action star. I'm an actor. This is before Rambo 2, before Cobra, before all the... You know, Stallone pumped up full on roids. Take this is when he was an actor. He had a yeah. you know he had a serious beard oh, yeah. going. Yeah, yeah. He like had a character. He wore chair. glasses. I won't stay in alive for Christ's sake. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's an he's an artist. <laughs> and yeah, like Rucker Howard's performance, I wasn't expecting him to be this uh, Carlos the Jackal esque uh, villain. Yeah, an IRA terrorist that come brings it to America. Uh, not, not even IRA. When, he's basically like a terrorist for hire. So back when terrorists were white guys. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah, back in the good old days when mm-hmm. terrorists were just white guys from Europe. Jim yeah. Berets. Was he badass? Was he like... He, he was something, yeah. Yeah? Cool. I love the party where he's wearing like a sweater, like at the yeah, start. Yeah. He just, oh, yeah, he, sure. it reminds me that. of like, you know, photos of my dad from like the late 70s and early 80s. He's got the beard and the sweater. And not to spoil a movie from 1981, but it's bookended by Stallone in drag. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And yeah, I've seen Nighthawks, I love it. Have you seen Nighthawks, Kit? No, I never have. Could be a future episode. It's really it's it's a fun movie, yeah. Lillian, have you seen Nighthawks? No, no, I don't think so. But you've seen Lady Hawk? Yeah, 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 love it. With Matthew Broderick and Michelle Pfeiffer. She's so gorgeous. Yeah. I keep confusing with with Excalibur, which I still want to see again. I haven't seen Excalibur since I was a kid. Yeah, that was John Borman. Yeah, that was John Borman. And Helen Mirren was in that. Oh, snap. Speaking of Helen Mirren, I saw a poster on like the Rio site. She did a movie mm-hmm. around that time called Hussy. Oh yeah, <laughs> Hussy. It was around the same time as Caligula, and yeah, mm-hmm. uh-huh. back in that era. Kit, what's the one thing you've seen since we last recorded you want to talk about? Uh, honestly, I haven't seen very many movies. I uh, was, uh, you know, it's 2019 now, and I've uh, started looking forward and thinking about, uh, well, what movies would I pick? For, a for your best long. of the decade, yeah, we were talking about that because I've kind of compiled a list of around 120 best of movies of the decade. So I'm going to whittle it down to 100 by the time I've we got were... a long list. Yeah. I may abandon it altogether because maybe such lists aren't important. Don't don't Who knows? because our one of our episodes, one of the few remaining episodes in, in this year, will be our best of the decade. Oh, we got to release that for New Year's. So yeah, I'm gonna record that soon, knowing our schedules. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna get back we're gonna get back good into things, the th- swing. good things ahead. Yeah, we're gonna get back into the swing of things. We're gonna so, get somewhat uh, regular. In order to jog my memory, I've been looking at a lot of you know lists of uh, other people like oh what was the best of this year? What was the best of that year? Um, there's a you know a few I think IndieWire released a uh, I would say prematurely released a list of uh, hundred best films of the decade. It's a sticking point on film Twitter. Yeah, it's, it just seems too early. There are films to come. Yeah. Um, but one film that showed up on a lot of uh, such lists that I haven't seen that won the Palme d'Or was uh, Uncle Boon Me, Who Can Recall His Past Lives, mm-hmm. a uh, movie from Thailand. So I decided I'd check that out. I like how you pronounce Thailand. Thailand. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it. Almost like it. an Irishman. Thailand. Thailand. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce anything, people. I was 18 years old when I went down to Thailand. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I watched that. I knew it was kind of a surrealist film, but I didn't know much else about it. So I was, uh, I just kind of want to watch something that uh, would blow my mind, maybe. Did it? Uh, sort of. It's it's strange in the same way that, like, uh, you know, how, how strange a David Lynch film can get. This this goes into mm-hmm. those strange places where you're like, what the, what the hell did I just watch? Yeah. Or what is even happening now? Oh, sorry. 
Um, <clears throat> the other day, uh, so in the, in my living room, the, like you you can lie on the couch and you have a view into the powder like window. Okay. And it's a screen. And I lay down on the couch and I was like about to read something and I was like, oh my gosh, what if I look up and there's that di- from Twin Peaks, the guy in the in the Bob 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 like peeking out like that just. That scene just freaked me out from, uh, and, and Firewalk With Me, right? Yeah. Yep. It was in both the movie and the show that just when he's like there behind the bed or something, just sitting there. You guys know what I'm talking about? 100%. Yeah, so there's... I just imagined a Bob I know, by there, the way... And it freaked me out. Um, Kit, continue with Uncle Boomy, who can recall his past lives. Oh, uh, well, I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to get right into it. It was it was an interesting film. Uh, again, very surrealist, um, you know, but instead, like, on, on, a, you know, a David Lynch film will have all that kind of um, the menace and the crime and, like, that kind of fun story to kind of take you mm-hmm. through the surrealism, whereas this, it's just a, it's a, a wealthy farmer in northern Thailand who is dying slowly of kidney disease and has to have... Uh, dialysis tre- treatments and there are frequent, you know, little dinners with his uh, his um, aunt. I know his uh, mm-hmm. his sister through marriage, his sister in law, and then his dead wife shows up as a ghost, mm-hmm. and his son returns as a monster. His son who's mm-hmm. been missing for years, and he's just like, oh, cool, yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, good times. Um, and there's also uh, there's a uh, a woman who has sex with a fish in this movie. So that is two award-winning films uh, from this like, decade. Fish yeah. fornicating uh, mm-hmm. fish. a fish. There's fish, the fish fornication sensation. Yes. No, it's a mystical fish, and uh, she's a <laughs> she's a noble woman. It's a mystical fish. It is a mystical fish. She's a noble woman who uh, can get any man she wants, but she's not pretty actually. Like she, her face is scarred, and this bothers her that she can't actually woo men with her beauty. She can only woo them with uh, her wealth, mm. and she turns away. She spurns one of the, uh, you know, the guys that wants what to sleep with her. What is this movie? Uh, I'm, I'm telling you. It's a weird movie. Wow. Um, and then uh, a fish who happens to be there while she's weeping is like, hey, I like you for who you are. I think you're beautiful. Um, and, and so she then becomes a fish fornicator. Uh, yeah, she, he, <laughs> basically the fish is there to steal her jewelry, but he does trick her into the water and, and just, you know, ghost the town so on her. he takes advantage of her too. Yeah. Damn fish. <laughs> Don't mm. trust a fish. <laughs> yeah. And Newfoundland, we have a saying, up with people, down with fish. <laughs> anyway, that was that. Well, there was also from this decade, The Lure, which is another... The Lure, uh, and of course, the biggest fish fornication movie, The Shape of Water. Yes. Yeah. Which, well, which Kit was alluding to. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's two, two award-winning two award yeah. f- fish-fucking movies. <laughs> what? What? Where have I been? <laughs> The lore is quite good. It's got a great soundtrack. <laughs> anyway, moving on. The, the, lore, is, the lore is the uh, Little Mermaid. Uh, the Polish middle, Little Mermaid adaptation. Yeah. But based on like the real uh, Hans Christian yeah. Andersen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Little Mermaid. That one was sad. The, the way it really goes oh, down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the movie is sad too, the, the lore. I, I highly recommend the lore. Yeah, from what I can tell, uh, having sex with a fish just only ends in sadness. So don't do it. Don't in do it. In real kids. life and in film, don't, don't do, do it. it. Kids. Don't do it, folks. So Lillian, uh, I will give you a pass and say you can talk about whatever movies you have seen recently. What have you seen that's interesting? You were saying you were on a killer, uh, a killer kick. Yeah, yeah. Um, I watched Mommy Dead and Dearest. Have you heard of this? Oh. Yes, I have heard of it. I have not seen it though. So it is not a sequel to Mommy Dearest. No, it's not. Mm. That's what I thought at first too. Um, but it's no, it's about uh, 
Um, I shouldn't I shouldn't really go into too much detail, but check it out. Okay. And it's super eerie. Uh, basically, a um, a child a, a child gets arrested for killing her mother. She's found dead, face down in her bed. It's all soaked in blood, blood everywhere. Um, they, you know, they catch up with with her her daughter, and they take her in, and they find a lot of things that just shock the world. Question: Is this based on a true story? Yes, it's, it's totally true. So it's the mother who had uh, Munchausen's by proxy. Is that her? Exactly. Name? Yeah. And like she got like Habitat for Humanity to like. Build yeah, a home I guess for I could divulge because yeah, it, yeah you're I, right. I know, I know this story. Yeah. Yeah, I think but I didn't. I didn't hear about it. Okay. And uh, um, I was watching it, and I was just like, whoa! But yeah, they mm. get all right into it at the beginning. Yeah. The, the true crime podcasts love this story. It's it's they just scammed a bunch of people. Mm-hmm, she yeah. she the the mother was completely sick mm-hmm. of course I and thought it was an HBO yeah thing. it is oh yeah. it is okay yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. and Crave I think Crave has it okay too. there we go yeah, yeah. so I've been meaning to watch this yeah check it out check it out it's a kick it's, it's, <laughs> it's a, a wild thir- story yeah it's a wild story anything else Lillian only one what have you Graham are you I think you the okay? daughter's name was Gypsy Rose Gypsy Rose so, yeah yeah her and her boyfriend yes. did the deed yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But she was suffering a lot. Like mm-hmm. she was basically limited oh, to yeah, this yeah. wheelchair mm-hmm. her entire life. And actually, she broke. She actually tried to run away before. Yeah, yeah. And it was to the first person that she was like away from her mother's presence with. I found that very interesting. Well, like her online boyfriend, I think it was. No, yeah. that's the one who she killed her with. Okay, yeah. But she did try to run away uh, okay, several years yeah. prior. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was with somebody, somebody, she made some sort of friend. Her mother allowed yeah. her to go away with them to like, mm-hmm. I don't know, do something, maybe go to the park or something. Yeah. This was her only window, like without her mother's presence. Mm, Cause yeah. her mother was always like, like this. And her father was oblivious to what was happening. Her real father. I yeah, think and he was away. So yeah. I was kind of. I was kind of hating on the father a bit yeah. while I was watching it. Mm-hmm. Like, and he was laughing the whole time. I'm just like, what are you laughing about? Really? Like, what do you, like, he just had this smile on his face mm-hmm. and it wasn't like a smile yeah. of pain. It was like, no. I don't know, but I was kind of like, you didn't want to double it, check. It didn't seem like you knew what condition. was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's... Well, at least that's my understanding of the story. Yeah. No, he, di- yeah. he didn't. And, yeah. and he was long distance and all that. So yeah. it was hard for him to go to all those appointments mm-hmm. and, like, verify it. But, um, she yeah, she did try to escape mm-hmm. several years prior to the killing uh, to the one person that she was kind of... Yeah, she yeah. had She literally had her mother's presence. Uh, she was out of her mother's presence for this little window and she took that opportunity to be like to tell this person everything and I need to get away and blah 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 blah. and they tried to run away but you know they found her and Mm. so she had to suck it in a little bit longer until she couldn't anymore what have you seen Graham? (laughs) Uh, not a whole, not, like, I've fallen off my movie, movie watching habits. You have been uh, busy, you've been working. Work has been too much, by the way. Uh, the NFL can go to hell. Yeah. Um, hard. There's death by literature for me this summer. Yeah. Um, one film I do want to talk okay, about. Yeah, we gotta start that podcast. Mm-hmm. DBL. Good luck, guys. Um, 
One thing I I did want to talk about is I I finally I've been waiting to see it for a long time since it was announced last year. The trailer came out last year and it premiered this year. Um, was the film Knife Plus Heart with uh, yeah with Vanessa Paradis, um, and it was directed by sorry sorry sorry, uh, Jan Gonzalez, uh, which is, sounds not French, but it is a it's it's a uh, not a neo giallo because it's set in the seventies. It's very much a giallo, but it is set against the backdrop of the French. Uh, gay porn scene of the late 1970s. Okay, so it's not like Barbarian Sound Studio. No, no, no. It's it's not meta, and um, and basically Vanessa Paradis plays a director of uh, of uh, homoerotic films, and uh, her actors start dying, and it's I think I described it as one of the most beautiful, disturbing, and sad films I've ever seen, and. At first, I wasn't sure what to make of it, but I, I kind of feel like I love this film a bit. Like, there's certain scenes in it that are so disturbing that I was like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm watching this. And there's also so much raw emotion on display. Like, Vanessa Paradis, I don't know. Like, she she's mostly known for being Johnny Depp's girlfriend for, like, 20 yeah. years, the mother of her... Of no, Graham, say no more. Like, I saw your post about it, and I'm, and I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at the back, and just hearing you talk about it. Say no more. I've seen a movie with her... And she absolutely just, oh, I don't know how she does it. She just like breaks your heart. She breaks your heart. I saw her um, in a movie with this, uh, it was a French movie with this also famous actor. I should, I should check out what it's called, but she, he was a carnival guy and she, and she was his, um, he would throw knives. Do you know this movie? I've heard of it. I can't recall the title of it though, but I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, it's such a beautiful movie, and and she's so wonderful. Like she will break your heart yeah. on the screen. She's beautiful. She's perfect. She's great. I've only seen one movie I, with her, but it was a really bad one. It was Cafe de Flore, uh, the Jean-Marc Vallée movie. So, so the other thing about this is that her character is not perfect in the film. Like she she's heartbreaking, but she also does something pretty despicable at a certain point in the film. And the film doesn't let her off the hook for it, which I liked. I like I like when a film. Like, a, a main character can do a bad thing, but the film's kind of like, normally they always are like, oh, there were extenuating circumstances. In this case, there's no extenuating circumstance. She did something Raw bad. Raw well, Raw reality, heart. but also not. And, like, the, the film, the title Knife Plus Heart is definitely a double, triple, quadruple, quintuple entendre. Oh. I love those quintuple entendre movies. Quintuple. Quintuple. <laughs> I'm sold. Oh, I think this needs to be a yeah. death by video joint. It will be. It'll be death by like cinema. Death by <laughs> cinema. Isn't that or what Tiff is going to be? Or uh... cinema de morte. Oh. Yes. So, anyways, that's that's what we've watched in the last little while. Um, so now, without further ado, let's watch the New York Ripper. Yes. Woo! What do you want? To dedicate a murder to you. Somebody called for you. Yeah, who? 
Guy with a strange voice. Said he'd call you back. He sounded just like a duck. Just like a duck. If the guy who attacked her is our friend who calls and talks like a duck, well, he's made his first big mistake. Yeah. Anyway, we've got all five boroughs alerted, and we'll also inform all the radio stations. Shouldn't be too hard to find a guy missing two fingers in his right hand. Poor dumb cop! <laughs> you don't think I'm missing I was to let you pinpoint me with your stupid crazy machines, do you? <laughs> And that was the New York Ripper, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Oh, yes, it was, yes. All right, so right off the bat, <laughs> I have to say... Yes, Lee. So, you guys know, I was already pumped, right? Yes. I was like, yeah, woo! Um, You're less pumped now? That cop really did a number on me. Which, that, which cop? He was so unbothered about it all he oh. just couldn't have it very he was just like yeah, yeah whatever He's yeah like, okay yeah mm. it's true so the uh the main cop who is played by you were gonna do some research on that graham uh, yeah, so the Jack Headley is the actor's name. He's kind of a Columbo he, looking guy, uh, a little bit. But he sucks. Uh, he, he had the, the he trench coat and stuff. Like he's just kind of like, what? This plopped on my plate? Really? He could not be bothered. He was a he bad cop. He couldn't be bothered whatsoever. At the end of it, he's just like, oh man, I'm so glad this is over. I just want to go home and drink. Basically, that was his his facial yeah. expression, and yeah. I, I I get what you're saying. He yeah. was not he's not a good cop. He's 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 jaded. He's been in the industry too long. He's jaded. I he doesn't care. I wanted him to kind of kind of like okay. He was kind of whatever about it in the beginning, and I was like okay, all right. And he, then he just continued to blow throughout the entire movie. That way. Even his his favorite prostitute, the one that he frequents, it got kind of, murdered. It kind, of, it kind of left the movie up to us. It kind of left the movie up to us to see what was happening. Yeah. It's kind of like he didn't put anything together. It is true. He he solved nothing. And I think that that's a, that's indicative of Fulci's world view, like where he just is like the like in this in these situations, like for a situation like this, like the New York Ripper or Son of Sam or Ted Bundy or BTK. Um, it's I that know. we always want to see the cop kind of getting down to the fucking sure. woo, woo 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 woo, and it didn't have that here, and it's okay. But well, it's not okay because, like, the cop at the end of the day, like, he's supposed to be our main character. He's supposed to be our our whole. I thought we could lean on him a little. I thought we could get some things out of him, but we kind of didn't. This seems to be a trope of a lot of the uh, European slasher films. There's like, like in pieces, ineffectual or police officers, ineffectual police officers, just completely nonplussed, very world weary. Yeah, we're yeah. used to like the Morgan Freeman, uh, mm-hmm. like world weary, but you know, with a but you know seasoned and like. I kind of like. I kind of like that cop that kind of has a, a like Mindhunter. Right, the cop right. that has like a kind of hinge on it, you know, like he's got like a, he's got another view and he's got a kind of direction to, he's got another view on, like another perspective on it. This guy was kind of like, meh, another day, another dollar. 
Well, you have to remember, like you know, uh, in nineteen eighty-one New York. No, no, I was I was gonna say yeah, like actually like, like if that. if you look at like the the history of Italy, like Lucio Fulci is a guy that lived through World War Two, and like at that point the authority was the fasc- the fascists or the fascistos, and in the case of Pieces, which was a Spanish film, you know that's you know not so long after Francisco Franco took mm-hmm. power and like was thrown out. So it's like you have this idea that authority is not always the best route for for effective protection of the citizenry, which is the correct and good take. Which kind of yeah. makes you think about what what Fulci was trying to say with this whole thing. One, three, one, two. <laughs> I don't get it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's an Easter egg for some of our... It's kind of... Oh, for uh, some of our listeners. I didn't it's kind of scrambled it to me. It felt a little scrambled. Yeah, well, this film was this film in general, like it was a reaction to the films Fulci had made before, but it was also a reaction to the American slasher film, which was like I said, this was the, like 1982 is considered the peak of the slasher film because 1977 you have Halloween, 1980 you have um, you have Friday the Thirteenth, and then 1981 there's a couple couple little slashers out there. Is this is this Fulci's Funny Games? I, I would, Whoa. I I wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> Fulci's Funny Games. Um, <laughs> but um no i would say i don't know i'd say i say this is a definitely a reaction to like because at the time his films were being sold to, to times square and that whole situation there um on the deuce and at that point like you know films like don't answer the phone so a little background on the film this film reunited fulci with his previous screenwriter dardano scadecci um and he decided that like his work with Dardano Sketchy wasn't as grim enough for a film like The New York Ripper. <laughs> so Fulci enlisted uh Gianfranco Saleri and Vincenzo Mamio. It's me, Vincenzo. So both uh Sarici and That'll never get old for me, I'm sorry. And uh <laughs> and Manio had worked with Fulci before on Don't Tor- Torture a Duckling and uh, wow huh interesting and Sarici which did not have a duck voice by the way this what, one has a mud I thought that was an Argento joint uh... no Don't Torture a Duckling is Fulci okay yeah and that's that no no the, there was a different movie called Don't Torture a Duckling from I think 1972 that Fulci made which was he had like a lot of criticisms of the Catholic Church at the time and that's what that film was mostly about um, the tracks in addition to being yep. a, a, a giallo film so, um, uh, Gianfranco uh, Sarici uh, worked on Don't Torture Duckling, and also the Giallo films The Bloodstained Butterfly, Macabra, <laughs> Bloodstained Butterfly. Five Women for the Killer, and Strange... Well, 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 let's take a scene by scene. Is that what we're going to do? We're, we're going to get there. We're yeah, going to get there. just providing it, yeah. a little background. Yep. Because don't you guys feel like it's a little... Discombobulated? Scattered? Like, um, just kind of... It yeah well it's linear at least. as we say in Russian like not hither nor tither. It's 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 linear but it's really just like uh it's not quite a procedural either. It's just like here's a serial killer murder. Yeah, we're going to find him. Murder. I got to say like the scenes were brought out very beautifully. I think they were like the 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 woman who was kind of the main you could see her lip quivering in that theater. Oh, uh, and yes. And she's, um, like, licking her lips and, like, her lips shaking and, like, who, this Who we and uh, originally she thought might great. be the killer, yes. Yeah, she was great. Uh, the one thing about this film is it, uh, I, I guess at least seven or eight of the characters were yeah. the killer. Oh, pretty yeah. triumphantly. And, uh, I was right on you one of them. You were wrong every I time. I was right on one of them, sir. Even a broken I was clock right. is right twice a day. <laughs> was it the boyfriend? Yes, the boyfriend was the killer. Okay. Which I guessed early on, but I did change my view. 
I don't think I was ever... Uh, I think the last time I was just stumped in figuring out who the killer was at the end of the slasher movie was Happy Birthday to Me. It was, yes. it was a I'm ton of here bacon, somewhere. yeah. Yeah. And that's red herrings out the ears. So, but like, unfair red herrings, like... You know, when yeah. it gets all crazy like that, you're kind of like, oh, fuck, man, it could be really anybody. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. All right, show me who it is. So, um, I want to point out some other work that these guys did before they kind of, like, uh, led the path of this. So, just for the for the grimness take, Gianfranco uh, Sarisi, in addition to all those yellows, he also wrote the films Nazi Love Camp 27. Nice. Jungle Holocaust. Okay. Okay. And, and Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. He also, that's, that's the film we will never get to. No, we'll never one. watch that on the podcast. Also, he wrote the Eurocrime films Rome, The Other Side of Violence, and Smiling Maniacs and High Crime. Um, uh, his co-writer also wrote Violent City, Syndicate Sadist, Counselor at Crime, Violent Naples, which I have here somewhere, um, and a special cop action. Are these I the Polizicchetti movies? Yes. I guess I guess my main issue with this flick is that I didn't understand the motivation. Yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. So so just to break it. Was it was very. I would say it was very scattered, and it was just kind of like a a splash. Yeah, it it. I I understand what Lily's so, Lillian's saying. So so the this film is very much like it's it's adopting the gore and nastiness of the slasher, but it is also still inhabiting the the plot. Uh, divisiveness of the giallo film. So, and as and as like my favorite quote is Adam Brooks, the one of the writers and directors of the uh, the Canadian film, the editor, which is a homage to the giallo genre. Said he's like, none of these movies make sense, but they shouldn't have to to be enjoyable. This film actually does kind of make sense. It's just hard to to piece together. I've seen this film multiple times, so it helps me understand what's going on. So basically, okay. We're going to do, not necessarily a scene-by-scene breakdown, but just... But, but just give, us, give us the just, plot breakdown just to layer, real quick. So, so real notes. quick, uh, women are being killed in New York City. The blonde police, women, specifically. Blonde women. The police do not know who, and the killer has a great intelligence. Yeah, and, they keep saying he's super intelligent. Like and as it's revealed at the end, he actually is a physicist, although I realized from the uh, the mathematical equations he was drawing on a chalkboard, that's actually like trigonometry, but not even like advanced trigonometry. It's actually like, I'd say, in my opinion, grade 11 trigonometry. So, so the filmmakers were not great uh, mathematicians. But anyways, long story short, long story short, let's let's clue up the let's plot of this film. Let's right, okay, so... So women are being killed, and... Uh, quacking is and, the only clue yes, that the police really have, that because there's, there's quacking. So, so two different people, so there was a woman who overheard... An old so, lady. Whose neighbor, so we started off with a man playing fetch with his dog next to the water in New York City. I'm guessing it's the, the Hudson Beautiful River. Beautiful golden retriever. And the golden retriever retrieves a severed hand, and then the nice. severed hand is tied back to a murder victim who her neighbor says, like, oh, we actually, like, our phone lines weren't that good. Occasionally when her... Came in with her f***ing bathrobe and all. Like, she had her f***ing shower her cap up. on. Yep. Her curlers. She was smoking a cigarette. Her eye... I, I, I think it was a cigarillo. Yeah. Cigarillo, cigarillo too. Yeah, it was she a, a was little like, mini cigar. yeah. And you want it, like you know, you got to hear every single word that she said. But the one, yeah. the one piece of tr- of important note it's that she moided. dropped was moided. that it so sounded sound. there. It sounded like the person on the other end of the phone. So she shared a phone with the first victim. Not shared a phone, but like her phone lines were bad, and they so they would like, get crossed. They the would get crossed lines, crossed. and so she would skin crawl. I was like, oh my god, this is gonna be so. 
so cool. And then, so she says, like, it sounded like the person that called her talked like a duck. And that's the first reference to that. Then later on, our character, Lieutenant Williams, is at his girlfriend, Katie, slash she's also his she's prostitute. She's a prostitute, yeah. Right. But she kind of, like, takes a little bit more care of him than a normal one would, I assume. It's complicated. She takes her job seriously, as yes. she says herself. And so at that point, like, someone calls for him there who talks like a duck. And he's like, who would know I'm here? And who also talks like a duck? It's really weird. They and never w- explain how... He knows. The killer knew that he was because there Because the, the killer is a genius, which we're okay. getting to. So then we basically, um, we were introduced to the, to the character of a woman and a man with three fingers on one hand. The woman's name is Jane Foster Lodge, who is played by Alexandra Delicote, who basically on behalf of her husband goes out to live sex shows in New York City, which were happening at the time. Not on behalf of her husband. They've got like a relationship where thing. she gets, she she has fun too, I think. Yep. She's, it says it's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. She's free to be free and he's free to listen to what happens. They, they got their kinks. He likes her going out there and getting excited with other people. He's he gets a, off on that. What's now known as, I guess, like a cuck kind of he but like a voluntary it's as like a, long it's as he's kink. included yeah yeah so she records it on a on a dictaphone and then he keeps the tapes basically yeah and so at this live uh, performance we see we this is our first introduction to introduction to three fingers who is a man with who on his uh, i think it's left hand or right hand has uh we all they also established we were calling two him two fingers, fingers the entire film hand. but because the killer is also left-handed, as they learn early on. Yes. Um, and That's so, one of many red herrings the yes. film presents you. It's mm-hmm. like, this is probably the killer, right? Yep. And so after the end of this... That's yeah, pro- a bit of a Jack the Ripper homage, being that Jack yes. the Ripper was... Left-handed. Probably the most notorious of the Seth Paws. Also, yeah. left-handed people are uh, deranged deviants. Yeah, it's true. Thank you, Kit. Thank you. <laughs> no, they are not. No, they're Did not. They no, they're not. They forced me to write right-handed, but I just rebelled. Thank no, they're you not. so much, Kit. <laughs> No, they're not. So, Paul McCartney is the biggest demon of them all. Long, he's, a, he's a murderer. Long story short, he's killed two Beatles hits? already. Watch out, Gringo. Paul McCartney can fart out hits, okay? So just forget about it. Don't even try to contemplate the left-handedness. Anyway, so... Back uh, to the movie. So at the performance, <laughs> the woman disappears, and then the man disappears, and then the lead star, who is played by... Now, the, it's interesting because the actress who played the female performer in the live sex show, she is actually one of the better-known actors in the film, or actresses, rather. She was in Cannibal Ferox, Yeah, I was going to say... I didn't realize that. Her, um, her name is actually, in real life, is Zora Karova, who was plays the role of sex show performer, as she's credited. How do you guys, how do you guys not know that? <laughs> <laughs> so she appeared in the the uh, Euro horror films um, Antropopacus, um, Terror Express, and Cannibal Ferox, as well as the action film Warriors of the Wasteland. Um, and the interesting, interesting thing about this uh, performance is that we learned through a uh, special feature, and also it's in the, uh, the trivia section, that she actually got the role without having to audition. She was just at home in Prague, and she received a phone call. The producers offered her the role, and she was hired on the spot. It wasn't until she arrived on set and saw the script that she realized why it was done that way, because, okay, I have to be naked. I have to be simulating a sex act. Yeah, first and then day, I have to be she gets murdered on set. Horrendously. She's like, oh, so what am I doing? Oh, I'm going to be but simulating a sex act the one thing we should point out is that this film is what a lot of people point to when they say that uh, Lucio uh, Fulci is misogynistic however she defends him in saying like it was the job sort of because like well she defends him she's like guys uh, come on I I have to step in here with this misogynistic (laughs) f***ing crap like I'm so f***ing tired of it maybe maybe Dave Chappelle's right in some sort of way I don't know he is not I do not want to go there 
because he is not. But um, yes. there are deranged people out there. Well, Akira. There but- are deranged fucking people out there. And I'm sorry, but there are. And we're shit back. goes down. And we missed you. Lillian. If you know what, if we if we got if we're gonna tell a story, we better tell a story. Well, right? here's what I'll say. I can yes. totally believe that uh, Lucio Fulci was a bit of a misogynist. I mean, he's he's uh, again. You gotta remember. Come on, like, come on. Well, no, no, no. I know. I understand was, he was, historical context. I'm not saying he was a wait, 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 misogynist. Wait, 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 wait. Stop, There's one thing about portraying a reality, and then there's one thing about poking. At the reality and putting your stands on this should be changed. This is more like a stabbing. Yes, it's more of a stabbing. But the one thing, the one thing I want to point out again is like, look at the films of the time. The films that were doing well were films, of course. And like, you got to remember again, like Lucio Fulci was not in the women killing movie business. Like he was in the metaphysical demons from hell, satanic painters, trauma business, eye trauma. trauma. In this one though, uh, he does skip to breast and crotch trauma. Yeah. So the the thing to remember. Very necessary, by the way. <laughs> sure, to the plot. Yes. <laughs> I'm just right? I'm just saying whatever. Yeah. And but her defense of him is not that he doesn't hate women. No, it's that he hates the world. Everybody. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's more like you got to remember Lucio Fulci was put in a position I'm of sorry, like. Sorry, but they're like really fucked up people out there. I'm, I'm sure. I'm and sure they will they're hard. point the finger at women because I don't know their dicks the size of their fucking fingernail. Okay. <laughs> okay. Go fly a kite. Back to the movie, which, so, which is the advice at the end of Mary so, Poppins. That's so, what they're talking about. So, so basically, <laughs> fingernail-sized dicks. So essentially, we are left with two red herrings. It is the woman who is recording the live sex show and the man with three fingers on his left hand. I accused them both of being the murder. Yes, you did. You accused everyone of being the murder. The cop, Lucio Fulci himself, you accused. No, I, that, I think that, I left that, him that, out of it. That was the neat part about the movie. Like you kind of like. Yeah. You're always left kind of wondering, and I love that guy. That that coroner, that the guy looking out yes. the cop and just smirking oh, the that whole guy. time. Was he was just like one step ahead of the game. And oh, the professor. The professor, and you're kind of like left thinking, this guy knows something that I don't know. So the interesting thing about this film is that this film plays on the gay panic of the time, because like the professor at a certain point buys a homosexual pornographic magazine and hides it, and you're like. And to I, I, to me that felt like research. To me yep. that felt the like the newsstand dude. He's research uh, he slash. And but the, uh, the, throws the, it inside, inside of New York Post. New York Post. Yeah. But the, the thing to remember is that like at the time, uh, homophobia was rampant, and so the whole thing about it is that I feel that that was Lucio Fulci saying like you think it's going to be this guy because, because he's, he's gay, a so he's killing women. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love. I, I really. Like I was that worried part. that that it would turn out to be him, and it really did seem for a while that I it was going to be him. I didn't think it was him. Listeners, uh, this character is introduced basically to help the cops with the... He plays chess against a computer. He's a he's a psychologist, a university psychologist. Yeah, they, he's helping they, track they, him they bring him in to help track down the killer and my figure favorite, it out to my, mind My hunting. favorite moment was when the police and him decided that the killer is between twenty eight and thirty years old. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was accurate by by a blood test, though no less. Which I don't think Holy blood shit, tests can was do. That accurate. Now that it's like it's just mm. like a, slapping me across the face. How accurate. Yeah. The boyfriend? He didn't look a li- he didn't look a day over twenty eight. He, he didn't look a day over twenty five, to be honest. Twenty nine. Twenty nine and a half. Um so anyway, so, oh, so psychologist, he's got a subscription to psychology today, so he knows his stuff. And boner today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that too. Yeah. I like that guy. He was great. They're published by the same company, I think. Yeah. 
volume 30 um anyways back to the film so anyways the 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 performer in the show she goes back 300 she goes backstage where she is brutally murdered by a broken bottle there's a little funny part which i think is a little wink um, when there's the zoom to the, the empty uh, light bulb? No, it's just that uh, she's like, oh, the, the light's off. Oh, Joe, Joe, where are you? You, 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 you dirty Italian. Italian. Italian? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you asshole Italian. Did that part not make you snap? Like, it did, but I, I think I think that part was more of a jab at Lucio Fulci. Like, cause, yeah, like, I think people, it was a bit of self-deprecation. Yeah. They were being, but, we, we should note it. Yes, we have noted it. Um, so anyway, she dies horribly. Crotch trauma, broken bottle. She Crotch her, trauma death. is what she dies from. And I do have to point out that that there is a really great sequence when she walks into the room. It's entirely lit in green because the lights are out. And the entire scene of her realizing the light's out, going to the thing, stepping on the broken glass, uh, lighting a, a... She has a little lighter. A lighter that she uses to illuminate the room. Was and all what, one... And what does she do? What does she do with that she takes She takes her eyelashes out. Right. Yeah, yeah. I found that very... Um, okay. Because she's, she's... Eyelash trauma. Well, no, no. She's, she's so we peeling... we avoid the eyelash she's, trauma. Like, like, you picture it. You're in the dark. You turn on your only source of light, which is a lighter, just to remove your eyelashes. I just found that very eerie. It's also very... It's, it's, saying, it's yeah. also... It's also very humanizing because here's the thing: yeah. it's her saying that like that person on stage is not me. I'm becoming me again. I'm taking the eyelashes oh, out. Actually, yeah. When she's walking off stage, one of the girls is like, like "So how was it?" And she's like, "Meh." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she she is like regaining her humanity that she lost on stage, and then she is killed by this killer. Now, uh, at the point we don't know who the killer is. They're wearing a latex glove, so you can't even be sure that it wasn't the woman who has uh, red painted fingernails. Exactly. Be sure if they're missing two fingers. Exactly. Because yeah. the the hand is right-handed in that scene. Interesting. It yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's a blade after the thumb, not before the thumb. Anyway, the the film launches a bunch of red oh, herrings sorry. at you. Left. Hand? Yeah. Is it left? It would be no. Right? It would be this. It would be this hand. It was. It was the right. That's the right. Your right yeah. hand. Yeah. Which is interesting because they so say the killer is left-handed. Left-handed business? They were saying it's left-handed. Uh, the the other the other women right that were killed hand. with the knife, just a little jackknife that he uses. Yeah, the foot uh, knife. He kills the woman on the uh, the pier. The the pier the ferry. The ferry. Right-handed, didn't it, guys? When we saw it was right-handed. But it could be also that's the thing. Like the other thing that's too. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. <sighs> the other thing to remember I is that. Lo- like okay, I wanna okay. I love. I love that woman who f***ing, her lip quivered. Guys, do you, guys, look at the, me. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. one? Was it the woman watching? Look at me. She was the woman recording. She was the one. Was it the woman watching the show or was it the young? Yes, I see. You know. <laughs> the, the listeners can't see, but Lillian was quivering, quivering her lip. I'm quivering my lip and they know. Her, they her know. Her face is they more can't just deny like a. Uh, who I'm talking about. It was more the, like an The f***ing woman who stole the <laughs> yes. show tonight. She was the woman who was married to this man. They had this thing. They had this agreement where she they go it. get their kicks and then just share it with each other. Um, or she, she was shared it great. with him, basically. She was great. Her lip would quiver. She was really in there. Um, Graham. Yes? I want to love this movie, but there's something <laughs> holding me back. Is it the utter violence towards women? No! No, absolutely not, because I know that that 
fucking shit exists. Like, this is absolutely not. That's not the jarring part. It's just kind of like, it's just kind of like, I don't know. It, was it, it doesn't, it's not, it's not quite all there for you. and, yeah. um, like, I, I, I think we all knew. I think we all kind of felt it that the boyfriend was the guy. Mm. Well, Kit was saying everyone was the killer in the movie. But I guys, was... Because the girl saw that the guy, her boyfriend was slashing her so throat we're, we're, and we're, she f***ing told him that in the hospital. You, I had this crazy dream that you killed me. TBH, and she he's was like, laughing at it. Like, who the fuck laughs at that shit? Okay, we, we haven't gotten there yet. One, one pot. Well, TBH, he was like, maybe top three for me. Yeah, it's yeah. the top three in Phil's. So let's let's go back here. Let's let's wind the clock back here because we were leaping ahead very very I'm far. Sorry. Oh, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And also, Phil's gonna become a pumpkin soon. You have to if. Phil, if you have to take off, uh, take off because you got to get up in like eight hours and go to work. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we won't we won't hold you back. But uh, okay, so we're um, so the 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 sex uh, worker she gets killed. Mm-hmm. So um, then the wife goes back to the husband and presents oh. him with the tape, and he says, "Go out and have a good time tonight." And she's like, "Okay, I will." And at this point, the the man with no fingers or with the quivering lips, yeah, he's he's missing two fingers. He's got three fingers <laughs> on one of his hands. Yes, and um, so then we meet a young blonde woman. Um, who, so who's on the subway. She's on the subway. And she is being stalked by Three Fingers. Oh, Three Fingers is on the subway and, and then, no one else. And then and then like they, he gets closer and closer and closer and is almost like about to get her. And then the doors, she, open. the doors open and she runs away. But at this point, she is confronted with the killer who might be Three Fingers, who might be that woman who said, I have a plan right. for tonight. Do you guys do you guys remember that element? The guy with the two fingers missing. She wakes up with this two cup fingers missing guy, but there's also another element of something else. Do you guys remember that? Well, it, at this point it becomes it's hard to tell what's real and what's her dream sequence because she is attacked by a guy with a knife and she, then she runs into stabbed, a, a movie. and then she's like holding her gut and she runs into yeah, a, a movie theater. Theater which is showing cartoons or something. or something. And then in the theater that's when it gets all boyfriend is slashing her throat for Christ's sake. Well, when yeah. she leaves, yeah. What so, a trip. So in the theater, like, there are hands coming up from beneath the Somebody seats, which kind of which kind of indicates yeah. that it's it's a uh, it's a dream sequence. And then she goes and runs away, and she's confronted by her boyfriend, who slashes her and kills her, but then she wakes up in a hospital realizing, oh my god, it and was a dream. Oh my god, she wakes up to him sitting there going, well, yo, we, what's up? It's and one of those. she's like, yeah, I had a dream. <laughs> it was really kind of, like, bad, but, like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you kind of like it was you. You, you know, you were like kind of slashing my throat and stuff. And he's like, oh, couldn't be me. What a crazy dream, darling. <laughs> As an audience, we're all sitting here, kind of going like, what? And then the next scene kind of confirms it, doesn't it? Well, here's here's. So we don't actually. When we see in the dream sequence him uh, slashing her throat, we don't know that he's uh, her boyfriend. We're just yeah, we like, oh, anything. he's a guy. Yeah, That's the killer. Um, He's the only clean-cut guy in the entire movie. And then we see him, she's in the hospital, then Mm -hmm. we see him enter the hospital, like, oh my god, the killer's come to get her. And he goes to the door, Mm -hmm. and he opens it super slow, like only a killer would, like turning the Mm -hmm. knob, like, oh. Like nobody does. Like no normal person does, which is what I said at the time. And then he opens the door, and he's like, hey, honey. I know, I know. Okay, there's something, like, really, like, kind of unsettling about this film, 
and maybe uh, it could be all the gratuitous murders and the uh, and the um... no 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 that's fine like it's part of, it's, <laughs> it's telling a story but there's something that's kind of like held back which is kind of unsettling to me but that's, and that's, I don't know if he meant it that way or what or what I think he definitely meant it that way because that's like like Fulci like major like major there's it's, a piece there's there's not a there's know? not a heart to this film there's not like one character that you can it's kind of like, follow well, okay so here's, and be here's like something, here's the good person here's something interesting no everyone that was in it really 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 expressed the only person that you know I'm is not, not the killer anybody in it i think everybody was great well no even even down the down to that cop who just couldn't be bothered i'm just well like, that's what i was gonna say the only character only. you're certain is not the killer is the cop and he's just kind of like I was almost like, is the cop the killer? No, he could have been the killer. He could have been hearing that 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 you duck know? voice in his head. No, I you never know? suspected him. Like he was just that unshell shocked about. So, it. so here's something interesting. So, one of the cast casting what ifs of this film was that Catriona McCall, the star of uh, City of the Living Dead, The Beyond, yep. and House by the Cemetery, Fulci wanted to work with her again, but she turned it down because she wanted to do other things. Because she just done three films with them in less and than two like, years. And she's like, "Yeah, I've had enough maggot stuck to my face. Thank but you very the, much." But the but again, she was also someone who said like she enjoyed working with Fulci. Yeah, and so the thing is, it would have been a different dynamic because she would have been an older woman in the role of um, of uh, the main character who was Faye. What was her name? Let me look it up here. Faye something. Yeah. The, I guess was it the girl who was uh, on the subway. Like Faye so, Roberts so or Faye, something. So Faye Majors was her name, Faye and that Majors that, that um, was actually with the killer. Yes. Yes. So that actress's name was uh, Alamata Sushka. Um, New York Ripper was actually her acting debut, and she would go on to star in the weird Italian sensual drama Rome Dalia Weird Fenestra. Italian sensual drama. That's all I got on it. Um, the less said about that my film, the better. Genre of film. She also appears appeared as twin sisters in the Indiana Jones knockoff, The Hunters of the Golden Cobra, and then after that, not much was else. Is that an Alan Quarterman movie? No, 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 it was just an Italian knockoff of Indiana Jones. So, like, you got to remember, she was originally that role was supposed to be Catriona McCall, which would have changed the film completely because Catriona McCall feels like an adult, like she is a grown woman with her own uh, yeah, this agency. Woman didn't. She felt like more of like a like a young girl, and it kind of felt like like her and her boyfriend were like college students. Like he was a grad student, she was an undergrad, probably. I just didn't. I, I found myself knowing that the student or her boyfriend or whatever is culpable, but I just nothing, nothing from him. I also suspected um, her of the murders at one point. So. Nothing of him um, justified it. She it does way. suspect Let's her boyfriend, though. There's she that one great I scene. Don't, I don't know a slam lick dick about him. <laughs> All I know is that I don't know where you get all these apparently swears he's from. doing the duck thing. So <laughs> and apparently he's terrorizing his girlfriend and other women. But that's it. I don't know any fucking fucking fuck about him. So anyways, he's, he has the, nice turtleneck sweaters. So anyways, they the police release um the the girl Sorry for the swearing. That's okay. It just means more work for me later. Um, it's okay. <laughs> well, maybe when people watch it, they'll understand what the fuck I'm talking about. I think they will. <laughs> so, um, they release uh, the girl from the hospital. She goes home with her boyfriend, and they go back to his place, which is supposed to be safe. However, at the uh, we should and he's point. like a total like like uh, oh Weirdo. man, uh, you know, no wonder the killer was uh, after you. After you, you're so beautiful. Mm. Anyways, at this. Oh my god! Yes. No, the, her oh. boyfriend said that to her. Oh, yes, no yes. wonder you were like a you. You must have been a 
You the professor d- does say that to his assistant yeah. later on. No, he so says that to his girlfriend. This is this is what I'm saying, uh, which I think Lillian is sort of hinting at, is that the the movie makes everyone a suspect, so there's yeah. no one to cheer for. Exactly. There's no there's no pure character in it, other than I guess Katie the prostitute. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Who we only meet very meet briefly. twice. Yeah. But 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 come on, we know it's a man. Anyways, so at this point in the film, the our two our B and C plus B and C subplots collide so the man with three fingers and the woman who records stuff hook up and apparently i'm gonna leave out the scene where the woman who records stuff goes to that pool hall and bad that's a weird scene i'm gonna i'm just gonna we're just gonna we're just gonna let that one slide because i think that was just more like this movie is supposed to play in sleazy new york theaters we need to have a sleazy new york scene it's pretty sleazy well it kind of felt like we have to set the scene for these people's lives we have to set the scene for where they were yeah which you is know, which is what it does, it just in a down. very gross kind of sleazy and way. And these kind of things go down. So, Phil, what are your final thoughts on New York Ripper? Okay, I was hoping to pull through it. Now you gotta go to work soon, yeah. so so just just pop out. Yeah. All right. Phil. All right. So, uh, my final thoughts are: um, on one level, the movie is ethically indefensible. Yes. Mm-hmm. However, I really enjoyed it. Um, I know that's the weird thing about it. It's so sleazy yet enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, it's I enjoyed, super sleazy. The, sa- the soundtrack the helps. Quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, the soundtrack is the mix of disco, the mix of ominous music, and even the jazz. sax sounds yeah. sinister. Um, visually, this is probably this probably rivals the Beyond as far mm-hmm. as being the best aesthetically uh, pleasing Fulci movie. Um, yeah. Some of the color schemes like... The green so scene. Yeah, straight out of Suspiria. Mm-hmm. No, I wouldn't say straight out of Suspiria, but I'd say comparable to Suspiria yeah. would be where I'm going mm-hmm. with. And, uh, mm-hmm. and what's amusing about the twist ending is I'm so used to slash movies with just really long-winded exposition. And no, in this case, the killer just is like, <laughs> no, they're just, and then stab, stab, stab. Yeah. Over. It explains it in maybe like one sense. So you're out so quickly. It's like, okay, what was the motivation for all this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And That's something to do with his daughter. Yeah. Sure. You want me to explain the ending? I, I can't because get past it, it, it how the, scattered it was. And maybe that's the <laughs> genius of it? I don't know. It sets up the twist ending. It takes so long setting up the final twist. It's like, when's it going to happen? And then yeah. you're just out. Yeah. I almost... Uh, you brought up Brian De Palma tonight. Yeah, no, it reminded and I me almost, a lot of Dress to uh, Kill. Like, I almost... Um, well, Fulci said he wanted this film to be more Hitchcock and less horror. He wanted it mm-hmm. to be more suspense and Hitchcocky, which I don't think Hitch. Well, Hitchcock would have gone this far if he could have. Sure. Yeah, probably. Like Frenzy was real skeevy. Yeah. And if you've ever seen like the test footage he did for Kaleidoscope, his proposed mm-hmm. final feature. Ooh. So, Phil, your very final thought: you enjoyed it, yet <laughs> there's the whole ass. There's a big old asterisk of. <laughs> Of its time, oh, it's, skeevy, yeah, it's guilty pleasure, indefensible. However, However, you enjoyed it. Yes. Which is the thing, which is the interesting thing about this movie, because like I rented it in such a weariness. Like I had an opportunity to rent it when I was in high school. I elected not to because I was scared of it. And then I eventually rented it when I was like 27 or something, which is like now like seven or eight years ago. And then I, I watched it. And I'm like, oh, I actually enjoy this for some bizarre reason. I think it's sort of superficially De Palmish. Mm-hmm. Like the 
particular moments that stood out in mind as being comparable to Dress to Kill was uh, the wife with the having the open relationship with her husband. Mm-hmm. Which is not quite Angie Dickinson's character, but it's, it's not just, far off. It, yeah, it sure. just kind of puts that yeah. on the plane. Like it sure, puts yeah. out that this is this mm-hmm. is the reality of the situation. And and yeah, I don't know. And the cop that was just couldn't be bothered. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, damn, man. Like, damn. I like you, but you just can't be bothered, so go mm-hmm. fly a kite. He was, he was too grizzled. You get those too grizzled grizzled. cops, he was just too grizzled. So, we, yeah, we so should... I guess then that's with maybe Dennis Friends in uh, Dress to Kill. So, so we should also point out that... Yeah. that and also the nightmare sequence is also a superficially uh, Dress to Kill. Yeah comparison as well yeah totally it's also like the pov shot of the uh the throat slashing yeah 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 so so graham just yes for the benefit of our listeners break down the plot as quickly as you can the rest of the plot in (sighs) a minute okay so um going forward we have the wife who uh, was recording stuff she actually hooks up with three fingers turns out he's a gigolo on the on in on 42nd street she likes some rough stuff so she gets tied up in a hotel room and they do some stuff and then we cut to later and she's got some uh, whip marks on her and uh, you hear her hearing on the radio there's a killer on the loose by big bill burroughs suspected to be two fingers missing on his right hand and she's like holy moly i'm tied up right next door to me is a guy sleeping with two fingers missing on his left hand yeah, right so she suspense, and she yeah. manages to untie herself it's very suspenseful she leans over she has with like, lots of gratuitous and, nudity and boy he, that boy that camera lingers no but really european films man yes. right? fair enough fair enough i'm just saying i'm just saying anyway go on of the sitch yeah, go on. Yes. Uh, what happens next is basically she escapes and then runs into the real killer who kills her in the hallway. The guy with three fingers thinks he's a suspect, so he sneaks out, breaks into uh, the boyfriend of our main character, uh, Faye's place. And at this point, Faye, like, runs away, and then... She's also suspicious of her boyfriend, though. She's suspicious of her boyfriend. Then this is... Yeah. And this is the first reference in this scene. She goes through his things and finds the Memorial Hospital paperwork, which ties, which ties into the end, because that's where the little girl that is the linchpin for the entire murder spree is staying. So the Three Fingers Man breaks in. She He attempts to attack Faye. He escapes. He attempts to attack her boyfriend. Her boyfriend tackles him. They, he runs away. You know, you know what? <laughs> The only thing that this movie really relieves me with is that this kind of dementia or this strange or this kind of insanity insanity really fucking takes effect on everybody around it. I think that's really what I left with with this movie. That totally that 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 that, that takes a toll. This this even though I don't know what your quack quack bullshit is about, I know that you're. And I know that you fucked up all these people and I know that you're either whether you're caught or you're not caught because I don't know if this cop is going to fucking clue in or fucking, you know, take the, I don't know. Take the bull by the horns. Yeah. Like he just seems so unbothered. He's just like, can I, can I just, I don't know. Can I just go fly a car? He's seen it all. He's seen it all. So there's this kind of like. Un, 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 unresolved thing to this movie. Oh, totally. There's, there's like, there's this thing that's just, there's something just a totally about it. It's missing something. I, I get what you mean. Yeah, it seems like it is. And it's okay. Something. 
Because this shit, this this bullshit that these people that are acting out on women and, you know, there's, there's this whole range and these people that are acting out on their inner inner demons and all that crap it's real they're inner ducks it is and and it is kind of neat that it's not explained in this movie maybe that's maybe that's the appeal well there, there's a little bit of an explanation that there was a psychotic break so um Faye's boyfriend it turns out that he had a daughter from a previous relationship and the daughter the the mother of the daughter was living in brazil and the daughter was suffering from some kind of like flesh eating disease where she had to be isolated and so he would call her and speak in the voice of, of Donald Duck essentially to, to, cheer, her up, to, cheer, yeah. up. to cheer her up but his his whole life was fractured by this because his little girl would die before she had the chance to grow up and become a woman and so therefore he created in his mind the character of the duck which could go out and kill the women that he perceived as stealing her future from him, from or like wasting their futures because they're stealing it from his daughter and so that that's that's the whole motive essentially. That we do, yeah. That's yeah. what it turns out to be his motive. Yeah. Exactly. Um, we should point out that there was a really, I would say, unnecessary death. Well, I mean, it, it so, creates a little yeah, bit of the, tension um, when, the, when the Katie, yeah, the cops' favorite prostitutes. When when Katie dies, which is 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 a harrowing scene. So we should point out the the killer has been like taunting the police, much like real killers at the time, like oh, Son yes, Sam he calls them up, and yeah. and, he, and he even knows where he is that night, which even is though never he's not at home. He's with a prostitute. That. He calls the pros- the killer calls the prostitute and does duck noises. As you do. As you do. As you do. Yeah. Yes. Totally normal. I do that a lot. I hope mm-hmm. you guys have not minded those late night calls. It's keeping me awake way too late, man. <laughs> like every time I, I think they've seen call, it all. I've seen and like, heard it all at this point. Seriously, man. Come on now. If Come your on. Donald Duck fetishes what you're after, okay. You guys whatever. know it's me. Raccoons or what's As it? long as I'm getting paid, it's... <laughs> yeah. Anywho. So that, yeah, the one death scene is gratuitous. It's, uh, the uh, one death scene is gratuitous. It's very gratuitous. Severe boob try- and nipple so we, trauma, we basically, especially. we basically, like, have him... The, a lot of it is, like, a character who hates women. And, like, that's the thing, too. Like, again, Fulci is pointed as being a misogynist. I just think... The films that he made were the the violence against women were presented as misogyny, and the, like he never made anything as violent towards women again after, and he never made anything as violent towards women again like beforehand. So like I think it, it's yeah, an outlier. Can we, say, can we can we throw a little feather in for someone trying to say that you know this is the reality of things? Ah, he's trying to make a buck off it too. So we should I mean, put out. He's, he's not. We should point out, long story short, most of the red herrings fail. Three Fingers is not the killer. He actually commits suicide when he thinks he is going to be the killer. Um, the woman who... He puts a bag over his head. Yeah, and puts yeah. a plastic... We think at one point it's the woman. It's the woman, but she is murdered by the real killer. And the infamous... Oh, they really throw so us off on should, that, too, I, because... I gotta say, as a woman, I wasn't convinced. I'm not going to go slash pussy, like, randomly. I'm sorry. I'm not. But, uh, so she... Uh, so when the killer had attacked her... He had uh, he had hit a wall or something like that. He missed her and he hit a wall. And he nicked the blade, the he tip of his the knife. Blade. And when she's uh, she's making yeah. her boyfriend some dinner, she realizes, oh, he has a knife where the tip is nicked off, which would came, and it reminded her. It caused her to have a flashback of her actual. Now attack. the film the film is confusing us because it uh, it uh, cuts this with dialogue between the cop and the psychologist. Was like it could be a woman, and this uh, this phase she off, she sometimes has psychotic breaks where she can't remember things. And the thing is, we also do get that point because she the 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 Faye character actually stabs her boyfriend to death without even 
asking him like and did you do this he also picks up the phone which rings and there's a duck quacking on the other end and then we cut to her hanging up the phone so you're really led to believe at yeah, this point that it's but then her. it turns out it's actually him no it's him it's his because she stabs him okay Percy. Okay, okay okay he's wearing a beautiful white turtleneck sweater mm-hmm. looks great uh he looks great in it uh Smiling. sears fall catalog perfect yeah um and she starts stabbing him and you're like oh she's the killer uh, and then he falls down. But then he gets up and he starts using the duck voice. And they're like, and you're oh, like, oh, he's, he's the killer. killer. Ah, yes. And then I, uh, the cop shows up and finally mm-hmm. does something, which is shoot him in the cheek, which just, rips open. And goes right through his brain and then he drops dead. And then open that fucking duck bullshit shit. That is some classic <laughs> Fulci gore there. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. actually like, this, the gore that's in this like film. That's like some Tom Savini the, business. The gore, so. <laughs> the, the, the gore in this film didn't feel like normal Fulci gore. And I think it's also because yeah. we, we've only watched Fulci's like, Supernatural horror films. I think you take the reality of things you know, that, to that, a that, bigger level. Hey, <laughs> eh? that cheek eh? being ripped off by the bullet. It kind of reminded me of the tarantula scene in The Beyond. To be honest, it looked a little bit like that. Also, so, when they're stabbing the painter mm-hmm. in the cheek, and his face just falls off immediately. Yeah. Anyway, so I want to. I want to. So that and that's that. So basically, and then after that, the cop and the psychiatrist are just like. That's all that ends well, basically. Oh, but then there's that sad scene where oh, the little girl... because the little girl wants... So the thing is... She's going to call her dad. So the thing is, like, the dad has been, like, killing people, but also using this duck voice to entertain his daughter. So at the end, she calls her dad's phone, which rings endlessly as she's like, please pick up, daddy. Please pick up. Don't leave me, daddy. And then we crossfade to a city oh, shot. And <laughs> she doesn't know then, yeah, we crossfade to a city shot, and then, boom, that theme song kicks in and credits. And that's the end of the New York Ripper. All lowercase credits, yeah. too. You know what I mean? Like, Fulci just said, you know what, guys? This is the reality. Yeah, if we live in hell world. There's killers out there killing women. They're making children. Children are feeding on them and, you know, counting on them. And they got to count on them. And this is the reality, people. And boom, boom, boom. Yes. So I'm going to go through some notes that I made on the New York Ripper that uh, you cut me off of earlier. Um, so this film is headlined by Jack Headley as uh, Lieutenant Fred Williams. Headley is a British actor who started working in the 60s on, BB- on the BBC television uh, network. He appeared in such known films as Lawrence of Arabia oh. and Of Human Bondage, as well as the James-, James Bond film For Your Eyes Only, which David Warbeck was from the beyond was on call to replace Roger Moore in. He was also in Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Unlike most of the actors that appear in Fulci's films, he didn't continue his work in European horror films. And the New York like, one is enough for me. Yeah, the New York was basically like one and done. He, he was like, uh, I think, I think his role should have been just called Paycheck. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so the film also stars, uh, like I said, Alamata Shushka, who we discussed earlier. Um, the co-lead in the film is Paolo Malco. That's the guy that played the professor. Um, who was also in Fulci's previous film, The House by the Cemetery. He was known for the films The Sinful Nuns of St. Valentine, Watch Me When I Kill, The Scorpion with Two Tails, Bronx Warriors 2, Escape from the Bronx, one of my favorites, Thunder Warrior, and, uh, Tuareg the Desert Warrior, and Midnight Killer. Sure you're pronouncing that one correct. Totally. Um, the role of Kitty, oh, sorry, it was Kitty, not Katie, who is Lieutenant Williams' hooker slash girlfriend, was played by Daniela Doria, who, who pre- we recognize that from. She previously worked with Fulci in the films The Black Cat, The House by the Cemetery, and City of the Living Dead. Where she literally pukes her guts up. In City of the Living Dead, she played Rosie, the person who pu- pukes her guts up. Uh, we already discussed Zora Karova. Hmm? Intestines? Oh, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah, yes. It's, it's gory. It's gross. You gotta see that one, yeah, though, yeah. Man. 
Um, so this film is what point is pointed to in his example of Fulci's misogyny, where we, as discussed, Zora Kuroba defended Fulci and enjoyed working with him despite the grim subject matter. Although she later said, I she, mean, I would argue this film's a bit misogynist. It's, it's all mean, I'm the film, the yeah, film, the is, film is definitely the filmmaker, not so much. Also, guys, we have to take into effect that um, he's he's looking at work before him too. Yeah, and, yeah, he's and, and he's trying time. to one up. Uh, yeah. Some of the, some of the other slashers that were around at the time, he's feeding. He off definitely of, he definitely was feeding off of like Friday the Thirteenth and the Burning and, and also Don't the actual the serial killer murders were. Of happening. course, like and also the film Maniac. So Maniac was a film kind of similar to this that came out in 1980. It was a American film starring Joe Spinell, directed by oh god, why am I drawing a blank? I, I know this director. I'm such a big fan of his work. Oh, William Lustig. So William Lustig directed Maniac. He also directed Maniac Cop that we watched way back in episode whatever. Um, oh. And so, Maniac was very much inspired by The Son of Sam. I it was about that it. one, actually, I gotta say. Maniac Cop was good? Yeah, yeah, it was good. With Bruce Campbell. I, I, I missed like it, I missed like it. Robert Zadar and um, they, they, they brought him Tom Skerritt. Like, like, I still can remember the guy's car. Do you guys remember the guy's car? Kit? Are you, are we, are you confused Kit, with Psycho Cop are Returns? Are shitting your pants right now thinking of Maniac Cop's car? I did not see Maniac Cop, unfortunately. I, I, think, I think you're talking about Psycho Cop 2. Was that the one in the office building? Yeah. And 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 full cheese in New York River is telling of how things are too. Oh, exactly. Like he was reacting to real serial killers at the time, like I was saying it, and like Kit was saying, and also the film Maniac, which kind of upped the ante. And so it was definitely a one-upmanship of like I have to yeah. stay on top of my game if I'm going to go back to doing more realistic thrillers where there's not supernatural elements that I can carry my films on. I have to like up my game higher. We're gonna add boob trauma and crotch trauma to my movies now. He does include the eye trauma. We didn't miss yeah, that. There is a razor blade has over he, an has eyeball. He, has he gone into this realm in uh, in later years? Like- no, no, no. He he basically like um, so after this film, he did some post apocalyptic action films. I think he did um, God, what was that name? It, it started Al Kiver. I think it was Warriors of something twenty seventy two. Yeah, Al Kiver's great. Um, this is a film Al Kiver's not in it, unfortunately. Um, so Al Kiver. sad. Maybe sad. No, Al Kiver cameo. Dickless. Mm-hmm. He wasn't dickless. Oh, no, he was a different guy? I was a little. I was a little teary-eyed. So, anyways, um, uh, one more bit of interesting bit of trivia. So, Jack Headley, he's, since he's a British actor and he's a native English speaker, his voice was actually completely dubbed by another actor in English to give him a, um, an American accent, which is weird because he apparently was, like, talking in a New York accent the entire time. Well, I guess not a good uh, New York accent. Yep. Uh, Lu- Lu- what's Lucio Fulci's character? He shows up. He's the old... He's, Al- like, he's, he's, like, like, the, he's uh, like the police commissioner. He's like the boss yeah, of bosses. He's, he's, he's called the... Uh, what is it Yo, called? we can't get too much heat on this case. You know the big chief I, guy. You know, like, the police chief, in other words, yeah, probably. Yeah. Like, you know, like... And the, no, and the like, coroner is named Dr. Barry Jones, which made me think of the Aqua song, Dr. Jones. Dr. Yeah. Jones, and I Dr. Just think, Jones. I just think Barry is a funny name for anything. I can't take it seriously. Whenever I hear someone's name is Barry, it's like, you know, what's your name? I am Sergeant Barry. I'm like, oh, you're well, I, Barry. I, I think that's the central gag of the HBO show, so Barry, Barry. Of course. Which is great, by the way. Because I always figure, I always feel that like there's someone next to me like, God damn it, Barry, why did you have to like rent out the police car? <laughs> You, Barry. So, um, this one was one of the infamous video nasties in Britain where it was banned no entirely. Doubt. Yeah. Oh, it so, was. Oh, yeah. So, um, initially the film... Uh, take a joke, Sarge. 
So the film was It's the slicing of the flesh. There's a lot mm. of it. Mm. Uh, and it's it's remember the the first death scene where the yep. woman is on the ferry. Yep. And um at first she's like you, you, oh, she, she's going to get stabbed and then you hear that it's it's a wide screen shot. cut to the ferry boat. Cut to the yeah. ferry and, and the horny oh, like oh they're class. doing a tasteful thing where we're going to find her body. Nope, no. we go right back to it and, and we, we see, see her entire body get eviscerated. Oh gosh, it's rough. So um the film, it's one of the infamous video nasties, as I said. It was rejected from the from UK's... It actually didn't even make it to cinemas, because the, the video nasties were just for home video. It didn't make it to UK cinemas. It didn't qualify for a UK cinema certificate in 1984. Um, Chief censor James Furman ordered that the original print be re-exported back to the rights holder in Italy. He's this like, is, get this out of our country. But it was actually to avoid... <laughs> because here's the thing. Basically, by by denying in Britain by de- denying something a cinema certificate, it made that film contraband. So whoever was physically in the possession of it at the time, it was like being in possession of like heroin or oh crack. Oh my gosh! So it was that's actually that's a bit. That's a bit. Much, I know. Yeah, right? that, that that's the crazy thing about the UK video nasty. Well, they were they were seeing it as the same as corrupting the youth as, as exactly. heroin, right? So that was their viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Obviously wrong. So but. then, after many years of being banned in Britain, the rights were purchased by the UK company uh, Vipco, who issued the film originally as an export only VHS under closed censor and police supervision. So when censorship laws were relaxed in the UK, it was submitted to the BBFC for a certificate in 2002 and received 22 seconds uh, sections of cuts to the razor blade murder, as well as strict guidelines for How what the... How ironic. I know, they cut the razor blade murder scene. <laughs> as well as a strict guideline that the film could only so be right. released. So the interesting thing about when it finally got cleared to be released on video was they couldn't release it, but with minimal publicity. They couldn't even promote the film when it was released in Britain. So the film was then issued uh, on VHS by Vipco, but a DVD release was canceled after some UK DVD distributors refused to stock it. So consequently, it was never available in the UK on DVD until 2007, when the movie was released by Shameless Films. Shameless obviously. Films, nice. And the version contained similar cuts, but reduced to 19 seconds of cuts via a different edit. Um, the horrible thing is that Kitty's death by Razorblade was actually longer and more gruesome. Oh, gosh. However, the, the worst part of the film. However, it was cut down. But there are, uh, on the Japanese DVD release, there are actually certain still frames that show how much more gruesome it could be. There was, a actually, there was a, there was a great part where, uh, I guess, mm-hmm. I guess it was the, uh, the other part where they got the radio blasting, and yep. Lillian was covering her eyes. But still dancing to the groovy beats. I remember that you were like, kind of like, <laughs> like about to cover your eyes, but you're still like, kind of like, you know, because, because folks, the soundtrack slaps. The soundtrack is amazing. So, guys, we've heard Phil's final thoughts. Kit, what is your final thought on the New York Ripper? Very similar to uh, Phil's. It's a, uh, it's a rough watch. I, it's, it's probably one of these films that I put in the category of I liked it, but I don't want to see it again. Uh, kind of a thing. Um, yeah, it's it's skeezy. It's uh, it's gratuitous. It's uh, um, uh, too violent, probably. Yeah, which is a strange phrase for me to say. But um, there's something about it which is, I, I guess, I think Fulci is it's a watchable. really good yeah. filmmaker. Uh, and I definitely works- think this was also an attempt for him to make what was considered at the time a co- commercial success. It's just he's using his powers for mm-hmm. evil sometimes or something again, like that you like, know what i mean like the, the, this sort of film occurs when it's the cart leading the horse it's like look at all these gratuitous films that have been made so if we just up the gratuitousness i'm it'll the make king more of money. gratuitous violence exactly yeah, yeah, and yeah. then it didn't work really because like this was a film that didn't really do well this was kind of so like it's a well it's a love to hang there 
It's one of the best looking uh, sleazy awful films I've seen. It's incredibly good. And the thing is, you remember, like, Fulci's Golden Period was literally from 1979 to 1982. He made a lot of films. He made a lot of films in a very in like a three year period and this is the end of that period so yeah uh, any other final thoughts Kit? I don't know just on the, the Fulci, Fulci in general uh, I guess now that we're, we're going to be leaving him for a bit for a bit uh, we'll probably return but um, yeah what an, I wasn't really aware I mean I'd heard of him mm-hmm. whatever and of course Tarantino uses um He's a huge Fulci fan. I uh, just, just, I, I even saw like a, a, a supercut, like the scene in Kill Bill, where that um, uh, the 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 uh, woman gets brained with the the thing, and then yeah. blood starts leaking out mm-hmm. of her eyes. That's yeah. straight Fulci. Um, also, in that same movie where uh, Uma Thurman's character has to bust her way out of a uh, out of a yeah. out of a grave, that's that's straight that's Fulci. Straight Fulci. Yeah. Um, so obviously a very influential filmmaker. I think unheralded. Well unheralded enough in his time um i certainly wasn't as aware of him but uh, yeah. i'm glad uh, i'm glad we went through this series this mm-hmm. is some good stuff it is good uh this last film was was a rough watch well, it's I'm, hard I'm, for me to I, recommend i want to but end I it, enjoyed on a bang. it yeah, yeah. nonetheless you mm-hmm. know yeah it yeah. was a bang that's for yeah. sure so lillian or a slice or a quack or I don't a, know what you want to call yeah. it yeah <laughs> a quack lillian what are your <laughs> final thoughts on the new york ripper well i think i kind of stated them already as this episode went on um, there's a little bit of unsettlement. Yeah, I think, Lillian, you felt instinctively the same kind of a way. You were like, there's something missing here. Yeah. All the elements of a good film are here, but there's something um, that doesn't he did, quite yeah, he finish did, it. He did, a good, he did a good job with uh, selecting his actors, the woman in the theater. I, I even mean, love the dubbing and stuff. Like, it's, yeah. it's so, I don't know, there's a feel to it that... Well, the scene with Lucio Fulci himself, who appears as the chief, he's clearly speaking Italian. He's not even, his mouth isn't even close to what the words And the police are. is like, yeah, it was Moida. You know, Moida. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta shut down this Moida downtown. We're cracking it down as Moida. Yeah. It ain't suicide. And meanwhile, the, uh, the, the Lucio Fulci's uh, mouth is just doing Flapping way different away. things. Um... No, I wasn't bothered by the nudity and the, you know, the... The, the lingering, the lingering yeah. crotch shots that were kind of, was, I think, a I new feature of the Fulci films. I thought that was kind of necessary films. to tell the story. And there was a little bit of unsettlement, like, I don't know. Maybe he's a bit out of his element. Maybe he's I, better with the, uh, the supernatural horror. Someone kept bringing up horror. Brian De Palma tonight, and, and, I, and just kept bringing up to me how much more thrilling... Brian DePaula is in a way. But, um, at the same, I, I, I can't deny the work that the people put into this, uh, did. Because everything, I think everybody was great in it. And I think the woman who, you know, I'm shaking my lip all night tonight. Do you love the, you love the quivering lip? I loved her. I thought it was so indicative of like the emotion that he was trying to emit. There's some good close-ups. Everyone went all out on this movie. Yeah, yeah, and I appreciate that so much. Except for the detective who looked like he didn't want to be there. WTF and like, you know, like, we're... The eye trauma was, was a, Probably Phil Phil mentioned it while he was, was here. He was like, scattered. "That's probably the worst eye trauma I've seen in a Fulci film," which is saying a hell of a lot. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So, with that note, um, my final what? thoughts. Yeah, yeah, we got to hear your final thoughts, Graham. How uh, how many yeah, times yeah. have you seen this film? What's uh, what your take? this viewing is your? This is number four, probably. Okay. Um, I'm sure, we're gonna like agree one hundred percent because it's a 
good film, but at the same time, there's a little bit of like it's, it's some sleaze to I mean? it. There's some grease. Like, well, th- this movie feels dangerous. That's the thing. Like the locations they're shooting in, you can tell like they were actually on Forty Second Street. They were actually in those disgusting yeah, hotels. Up, up in the deuce. It's it's definitely it feels dangerous. I was gonna say like my final thought is I have no more th- final thoughts on this movie. Can I? It's post? funny because I was but, just watching uh, yeah. uh, David Simon's The Deuce. I watched season two, yep. and it, what he's trying to recreate is exactly what that this film shows. World, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like New York Ripper is like I almost see it more of a time I capsule. Still, like like I still don't know what this crocking duck thing is about. And, <laughs> and, 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 Didn't I explain it to you? Uh, yes, I mean, can I explain it, it again? Yes, it did, but at the same time, it didn't. Like, it was just so, like, two seconds, and that's it. Like, take it or leave it. This is my fucking deranged bullshit. He reason. talked to his daughter as a duck, and. I don't give a fuck if you take it or leave it. That's what it was, and it was kind of like, okay. It was a bit, it was a bit silly. Okay. I think the choice for the right. uh, serial killer to talk as a duck. All right, you talk as a duck. Is and, not the best choice. You know, that's what you want to do, and. Okay, you did that with your daughter, okay? It's meant to be twisted, a la... It's kind of like, it kind of leaves me hanging there. It's meant to be twisted, so, a la the Joker or something, and I don't think it here's, quite gets it's there. It's twisted in a way that's, like, not really the kind of twisted that I thought it would it's be It's too absurd. Twisted. I agree. It's very absurd. Do you know what's interesting? They uh, There's a company that are releasing a series of comic books based on Lucio Fulci's films, and they did, recently, and I'm trying to track it down, a New York Ripper versus Maniac comic book where the Maniac from Maniac fights the New York Ripper. Cool. And apparently to like they're like, how do you do a New York Ripper? Because sorry, he's... But Maniac Cop would take him. It wasn't Maniac Cop, though. It's Maniac. It's a different character. So it's Maniac was Get the... Get your Maniac straight, Lillian. Oh, my God. So I'm interested in seeing it. Somebody whip me now. Oh, man. <laughs> and and also, Graham, another thing about this film was the uh, the Marquis. We forgot to write down oh, the films so that were good. on them. What was uh, it, like 60 Seconds to Assassination? Six, uh, 60 Second Assassins. Like Wrath of the Bushido Blade. Wrath of the Bushido Blade. Uh, some really good stuff on there. A whole bunch of X-rated um, titles. Uh, the uh, American in uh, London. Oh, American, American Werewolf in London. London with, plus... Uh, uh, Double was, feature with. Why am I drawing a blank? Oh God! It was our two boys that we were talking about tonight. Oh, too. Nighthawks, uh, Nighthawks, Nighthawks, Nighthawks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So in that, yeah. So, anyways, on that note, we we have to bring this episode to a close. I don't we really. Do? We do. do I we? don't. Do we? Do we, Graham? Do we? I think we do. I don't really know if we discussed <laughs> New York Ripper in depth as much as I would like to, but you know what? We we did it. We got through it. This is the end of our full well, cheese section. Is there anything you want to add to that? I, I, I don't really like, think there, I just well here's here's what I gotta add. I realized like three minutes ago while you were giving your final thoughts, Lillian. I actually bought a whole different movie to be our last full cheese film, and I just remembered I own it now. It's The Devil's Honey. His erotic drama from like 1983 oh yeah you were gonna do that instead of New York I Ripper. know and you I just forgot remember all now, about it so we'll, we'll watch that later on but now but I so I'm about to announce what our next episode is gonna I'm be. excited and cause like I, I wanna go back to doing like one off episodes and stuff but our next episode has to be has to be has to be so for death by video I'm Phil no, Phil left, so, Phil so, left. so he, was Phil. Phil, he was Phil. Uh, I'm Kit. I'm Will. I'm Graham saying thank you so much for listening to this. Please be sure to rewind. We will see you next time. <laughs> Keep watching amazing movies. Good night Graham, and God bless. Graham, enjoy editing this episode. <laughs> <laughs>